0: hey new york it's time for new york sports talk the way it ought to be it's the big apple sports podcast starring peter weintraub and evan freeman
1: welcome everybody to the big apple sports podcast i'm evan freeman i'm pete weintraub aka big bald and proud not mama not mama
0: all right, Pete, what do we have up first? I believe we do have Jets talk on the docket.
1: Yeah, so we talked about it yesterday. Of course, the second I upload it to YouTube, it turns out that Jeremy Curley was signed by the Jets. So I guess all signs indicate that he's healthy, ready to go here in the 2017-18 to campaign. So, Evan, we talked about it yesterday, but this is a guy who's been a Jet for a long time. He was not on the Jets last year, obviously, but he's been there for the bulk of his career He's another veteran wide receiver. Is he the best wide receiver in the league? No, but he's a significant upgrade over what they have at present. And adding another veteran into the mix with Jermaine Curse to head the receiving corps, I think it's a good move.
0: Boy, it definitely improves the team. But before anyone starts getting really excited, Jeremy Curley is about 5'7 in cleats. There's a reason why the Jets cut him to begin with before he went to the 49ers. So this isn't this big splash signing. He's definitely the second best right now. He's the second best receiver on the team because mm-hmm. we haven't seen anything new from Robbie Anderson other than what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, Robbie Anderson—he's the guy I'm looking at. He's a deep threat. He's kind of tall. I'm the guy. He—I think he needs to be the one that takes the next step forward. But it's a good signing. It improves the receiving core. Like we said yesterday, it's important because at some point, Bryce Petty is going to take over, which I unless Bryce Petty's hurt, which will probably happen because Bryce yeah. Petty is always hurt. He's, I but don't know
1: how it happens, because he never plays. But.
0: Made of made of glass. Uh, either Petty or Hackenberg will be running this team very, very shortly. Yes. So we need guys that can go out, run routes, catch the ball, and help these guys learn the game of football, because that's what they need to do. Hackenberg Petty, and Petty need to learn the game of football. It's that simple. Yes.
1: Right, absolutely. And I think, like, like you said and like I mentioned earlier – I think that having another veteran at least will help in the development of a Robbie Anderson and some of the younger guys who are in the mix so that way they don't have too much pressure on them too early. I mean, there won't be any pressure after week three, but still. Uh, Anyway, heading over across the locker rooms to the New York Giants, Odell Beckham Jr. today jogging at practice with heavy tape on his ankle. but Without heavy tape. Oh, without heavy tape. Excuse me, I misread that. But still not practicing. All right, so it's Wednesday. We're four days out from game day. Evan, what are your thoughts on this?
0: Listen, all I hear on the radio is Odell should, Odell's going to play. He's probably going to play. He should play. No, he shouldn't play. If we're four days out and he still hasn't practiced, there's no way he should be playing. Listen, yes. it's good news that he's jogging without heavy tape on, but let's say, let's say he feels 85%. He's not feeling 110% by Sunday. And usually once you feel better, you usually need a few more days to really be completely healed. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, I feel really good. I'm 100%. Usually that's about 85%, 90%. And all it takes is that one little hit or that one cut where his foot gets stuck on the ground. And he could be out for weeks. And that will ruin the Giants' season. If they're missing Odell Beckham Jr. for six to seven weeks because he breaks his ankle, Yeah, I wouldn't risk it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not worth the risk. I understand it's a big divisional game. You're playing the Cowboys, who, and we'll talk about this in a second, Ezekiel Elliott will play week one, though the suspension will be upheld. The NFL's filing suit. That's going to be a whole bunch of fun. But getting back to the Giants for a second, yeah, we talked about it ad nauseum the last couple days, and we're going to continue to deliver it. And I hope that the Giants aren't stupid and play him because – They can not only have a significant amount of time, which will hinder their progress and their chances this year, but they could hurt a guy who by far is one of the best talents this organization's ever seen. So they want to sign him long-term. They may not be a long-term, depending on the severity of him hurting himself. So I'm with you. If he's not feeling 85 90%, like you said, if he's not at least practicing, running lightly on the field, light routes, not just jogging – we're going to have some issues come Sunday. So I hope they don't start him. I hope they give him the rest he needs. Hopefully he'll be back by week two, but he can't chance it. So going now to what we just mentioned, Ezekiel Elliott. So shortly after we recorded yesterday, fucking yay. uh, The NFL did uphold its six game suspension. So it's a good thing in my opinion, Evan, I know that, we both thought that he might, he should have gotten more games. But it's a good thing they didn't go back like they often do and give him, uh, instead of six, take four or something like that. He is actually eligible to play Sunday. and uh, It's a temporary stay is what they're calling it because the NFLPA, the Players Association, has to file a lawsuit. So, Evan, explain what's going on here and then your reaction to it.
0: Okay, so this actually happened last week. The NFL Players Association filed a motion to get a temporary restraining order. So that means if the temporary restraining order is granted, it freezes the suspension while well, it gives Elliot and the NFLPA time to file a lawsuit to get the suspension overturned permanently. Mm-hmm. Now this doesn't mean that the suspension suspension will get, you know, put on hold. It's put on hold for at least this week. Yeah. So the temporary restraining order, he's, ga- he's guaranteed to play this week, but if it, if the temporary restraining order is upheld and they're able to file the lawsuit, his suspension will be, his suspension will be suspended, uh, will not be able to be enforced until that process is completed. So let's say it's week four, and then the suspension is upheld again. He would then miss weeks five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten of the NFL season. Now, in my opinion, this is one of the dumbest things that they can do. Yeah. Because these, these, these lawsuits are so stupid. Your collective bargain agreement states that Roger Goodell has the power to suspend people. Mm-hmm. And then that all appeals go back to Roger Goodell. So it didn't go back to Goodell. It went to an independent arbitrator who then upheld the suspension. Yeah. So if this thing goes two, three weeks, now he's going to be missing six games more towards the middle of the season as opposed to just missing the six games and getting it over with.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I, if I'm him, and and even if – obviously the Players Association is supposed to be in the player's best interest, but – this isn't in the player's best interest. Yes, he's he may play week one, and like you said, he can play weeks two, three, four. We don't know when he's not when this is finally going to get upheld. But the problem is, let's say he plays the first ten weeks. Let's say somehow they are able to draw that out. Then he misses the last six. The Cowboys are in the midst of a division battle. Elliott's having a great year. He's at, once again the cog to their offense. Then all of a sudden there's a lot of undue pressure on Dak Prescott. He's only a second-year quarterback, a guy who didn't throw a lot last year and there's a lot of pressure on him to take that Cowboy team to the playoffs. It's not good for the team. Obviously, it's not good for him, but it's not good for the team. He's going to serve it no matter what. So if I'm him, I just take it now. I'm back for the last 10 games. I'm back for the stretch run. I'm fresh for the stretch run, and I'm ready to go. It's almost like Tom Brady last year. When I was missed- about to
0: say, it's exactly what happened with Tom Brady. Listen, it, this is, like I just said, it's collectively bargained. So yeah. what are you fighting you have granted the, this power to Roger Goodell. That's yeah. your problem. That yeah. No one else really gives a shit. Yeah. And we have to take up time. To, first of all, this has to go to federal court. So we are now wasting the court's time to hear a labor argument for something that was collectively, collectively bargained. Yeah, It's just stupid. It's a complete waste of time. Service suspension, come back. Brady yeah. did it. for. Oh, he took the whole thing to court. But that was during the offseason. Mm-hmm. Listen, once the season starts, he's going to be a distraction now. All this is is going to be, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Is he going to worry about the suspension, worry about this? Let him sur- – he should serve his suspension, come back, and play.
1: That's yeah. it. Yeah. I, I'm with you. It does his team a huge disservice. Is going to serve it anyway. It doesn't matter. It's in the collective bargaining agreement. They're not going to win in court. There's no point in doing this. If you don't like it, next time you negotiate the collective bargaining agreement, maybe change how that's handled. But for now – you're fucked. You're serving six games. An independent arbitrator upheld Goodell's ruling and thought it was also a good idea. Therefore, you're a moron. You got caught. Serve your suspension like a man. Get it over with and help your team the last 10 games. It doesn't make any sense, but
0: stupid, stupid, stupid people.
1: Yes, very stupid people. Moving on to, well, not people who are much smarter than New York Mets. So we're going to talk about Matt Harvey today. There's a lot of well, we, we can touch on it really, really quickly. Um, Matt Harvey, there's a lot of speculation that he's being mishandled. He had a shitty game in Houston after like 11 and a third innings and in his rehab starts leading back to that game in Houston where he gave up seven earned runs in two innings. And uh, he's starting on three days rest here tonight. And a lot of people think that he's being mishandled and that this means that his days in New York are numbered. Listen, his days have been numbered for a while. Ever since last season, there's been numbered. And then the bullshit he pulled earlier this year before he got hurt, uh, missing – not showing up to a game, the Mets having to send people to his home, him refusing to come. That was because funny. All because <laughs> Julian Edelman fucked his ex-girlfriend. Like, okay, sorry, oh, man. you have professional responsibilities as a player. And it's upsetting that, yes, you suffered with debilitating injuries the last couple of years, but the Mets probably are. They can't pay all these pr- big pitchers. Fortunately, most of them have gotten hurt. The De- De- is the only one left standing. De- Cindergard, I'm sure he's going to be given the benefit of the doubt. And, but they're definitely not going to keep Mats. Mats can't stay on the field. He can't show that he's even going to be consistent. Harvey has been incredibly inconsistent after the 2015 season. Those two guys are out. So it makes all the sense in the world. I don't think they're mishandling him. I don't really understand why they're even pitching him in the first place, probably just to sell some tickets.
0: Yeah, but, season's over. Why on earth are you starting a guy on short rest who's been injured for half the season?
1: Well, it's the same thing with David Wright, and I actually wrote an article on twelve upcom dot com about this earlier today. About why are you why is he going through a rehab assignment in late August when the season's over? He's not gonna come back till September if he actually got through the rehab assignment, which he underwent rotator cuff surgery yesterday, so he didn't. Go There's on. no point, guys. Uh, they're they're just trying to fill the seats. It's almost as ridiculous as calling up Tim Tebow to the majors just to get people in the stand. If they call
0: if they call up Tim <laughs> Tebow, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to burn all my Mets shit.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, that would be ridiculous. He, he has not earned that privilege yet, but yeah. Anyway, all right. So the main thing we want to touch on with the Mets is not that. It's payroll. So payroll. an article Dr. Dollar, dollar Bills. On. So Uh, A report came out earlier today from the New York Post. I sent it to Evan at 7 this morning while I was taking a shit. And basically – I never got it. You never got it? Well, basically what it stated, it it was kind of like an interview with Sandy Alderson in in an assessment of next year's payroll. They're talking about David Wright as well and how if he does what Michael Kadire did a couple years back and gave his salary back, then instead of having $65 million in – payroll capital to use towards next year's roster they then have 85 million to use towards next year's roster but sandy alderson pointed out they may not even use what they have what they get back in savings because this year 2017 which is obviously one of the worst years they've had in a while they had 155 million dollar payroll the 12th highest in baseball, which for a New York team, especially the Mets, a couple of years removed from the World Series and just one season removed from making a wild card, it's ridiculous that they, A, weren't even planning on spending that much, but the fact that Alderson stated he's going to pull back, potentially, the reins and not even spend that much next year. Evan, what are your thoughts on that?
0: It makes me mad as a Mets fan because, listen, yeah, they went to the World Series and For some reason, I knew that they were going to crap out after that. Listen, we made all this extra money going to the World Series. Now let's save some money. Mm -hmm. It's a small market mindset. It's a non-competitive mindset. You have people going out there all the time. And this guy at my gym that works there, he said there were six people in his section yesterday. Mm -hmm. Six. So people aren't going to the games. If you're not going to spend money on this team and put a competitive team out there, Cause there are improvements that need to be made. If you're not going to go out there and spend the money to improve this team, people aren't going to go. So not only you're not going to save money, cause you're not going to make as much money. They need to be out there. You're a New York sports team. You need to be out there. Spend, spend the money, spend it the right way. Yes. I'm not talking about signing Bobby Bonilla for 21 years. <laughs> All right. Which they did. Uh, go out, find some guys who can play, spend the money. Oh yeah. You know, we got $80 million. We're just going to spend like 50 of that and you know, save the rest. Like why? why? Because they're not trying to be competitive. They're looking at it about saving money, and you know what that's going to do the team. It's going to put them in the bottom of the division next year, mm-hmm. because everyone else is going to improve. The Mets are going to stay the same. Uh, like you said, probably getting rid of Harvey, probably getting rid of mats and they're going to be worse. Yeah, and it's it's gonna it's only going to go downhill. So you're going to go from going to the World Series a few years ago to being the bottom of the division,
1: mm-hmm. and.
0: There might not be a way out of that because all these pitchers are getting older. DeGrom's not young. DeGrom's our age.
1: Yeah, DeGrom is almost 30.
0: Yeah, yeah. DeGrom's, DeGrom's in his late 20s. Syndergaard's really the only one that's still young. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, man, I feel like they wasted this pitching staff. They 100% did. 100% wasted the amount of talent that they had on this pitching staff. You might as well have not had it. You might yeah. as well have traded everybody away last year or two, well, two look, years
1: at, look at the rotation right now. DeGrom's the only one left standing. Syndergaard may come back towards the end of the year, but they're, they're saying that if he does come back, you know, he's, he just started his rehab assignment over this past weekend, it'll probably be in a relief role. I don't think he's starting any games the rest of the year. Harvey obviously pitching on short rest today, but we've seen as velocity's down, movement's down, location is gone. And he's getting shelled. Matt's had a terrible year. Now, granted, I think he pitched a month with his injury before he actually a told them about it and b got it taken care of. Which the reason why it took that long to diagnose him and get this shit over with. I don't understand. And Zach Wheeler, a lot we forgot to mention him. A guy who started the season, started off pretty strong, but then he faded, got hurt. He's done now. So we have guys like Chris Flexen, a guy who came up from Double A, pitching in the starting rotation. It, Rafael Montero with an over five ERA. ERAs. Pitched a little better lately, but come on. We they need
0: we need Mark Cuban to buy the Mets from the Wilpons. Wasn't and he, he was
1: interested back, at one point in time? He was,
0: but the Wilpons will never sell because they're a bunch of assholes. They look it's, at it as a
1: – It's a pride thing.
0: Yeah, and it's just ridiculous. You don't have the money to run the team. Yeah. You can't run the team successfully. It makes you into a joke.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, before the Madoff shit – when Omar Minaya was at the helm, they went out, they got Carlos Beltran, they got Pedro Martinez, they got Carlos Stogato. They got guys who were very good and who immediately elevated the team at, You know, right before they got I mean, they got Beltran in 05. But in 06, when they really got a lot of those pieces, it just clicked. They went from an 83-win team to, um, what was it, a 98-win team. So they improved by 15 wins by just getting a few players. And with $65 million, even though players today are significantly more overpaid than they were then, you could still get a couple of the key pieces you need, whether that's a Manny Machado in a trade and you throw the Orioles some of that money, or it's Mike Moustakis in free agency. If you sign a catcher, maybe you get an outfielder like Lorenzo Cain. Like it's, it's not going to take all that much. But unfortunately, they're squandering it. And the fact that Alderson's already saying that, now we don't know if Alderson's even going to be back. His contract is up after this season. But regardless of who's at the helm in the front office, it sounds like the Wolfpons have no interest in spending all the money they're getting back in payroll next year. So we had $155 million this year. It might be 135 next year. We have no idea what it's going to be, but it's not looking promising for them. So moving on to the Yankees. So last night they lost a I believe it was seven to six, a nail biter to the Orioles. Unfortunately, the Yankees lost on a walk-off home run, Manny Machado off of Delin Batansis. Obviously, since Chapman has struggled a lot since the all-star break, it's now been kind of a closer by committee. Chapman some mights, Batansis others, Robertson others. So Batansis, unfortunately, couldn't get the job done. And look. But Tantis has never shown he was a good closer. He's a great setup, man. But for whatever the reason, the second he goes from the eighth to the ninth inning and he becomes the man, he doesn't do well. So, Evan, what are your thoughts? Do you think Yankees fans need to be worried because this is yet another one-run game that they ended up losing?
0: Yeah, I'd be worried. Listen, I'm not, I wouldn't be You know, running down the street in my underwear throwing shit in the air.
1: Well, that's Smear- Corey on a Saturday night. Yeah,
0: smearing feces on my neighbor's car. Mm. you know i'll save that for friday yes <laughs> but um you know this is something to be worried about because this is what's been going on for the last month month and a half of the season it's these losing these one run games mm-hmm. and they had the lead they yes. had the lead going into the last inning yes. so this combined with just their shit luck of boston stealing their signs using an apple one, <laughs> that which, was funny <laughs> which we got to touch on it next yeah but you know, it's it's symptomatic of what has been wrong with this team all season. Yeah. And maybe not all season, but at least it's been more highlighted in the last month and a half. And it's mm-hmm. definitely been a problem since the All-Star break because you don't have guys like Aaron Judge just knocking the cover off the ball. Yeah. When you have a guy like Aaron Judge hitting the way he was hitting, it hides your flaws. Because if you're up six runs, you're not going to – And not the bullpen
1: gonna- gives up four runs, it doesn't matter.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So it's they it's something that I would be worried about going forward and especially well, I still think they will make the playoffs because I don't think even this series will decide it because there's still plenty of time left in the season for them to bounce back. But look if they make it into the playoffs, that one run, that one game playoff game is gonna be uh it's gonna be a nail biter for Yankees fans. If they get past that, I don't think they get past the ALDS if they don't fix this issue.
1: Yeah, and, oh, yeah, it's a couple of things. You highlighted the offense, and you're right. When you have a hitter like Aaron Judge and when you're one of the best-hitting teams in all of baseball, yeah, you can really overcome your pitching. And this is so reminiscent, Evan. I mean, this isn't the same type of team. This is a mostly homegrown team, very fun to watch. I got a couple of pieces like Didi Gregorius, Starling Castro here or there, but for the most part, it's homegrown talent that's really carrying the load. But this is reminiscent of the 2000s. The Yankees made the playoffs every year. They had shitty pitching, but they had an amazing offensive lineup. And they'd win 90 to 100 games during the regular season, blowing people out 10 to 3 or 10 to 5. But then those five runs in the playoffs matter because you're not going to be scoring 10 runs on most playoff teams. You might get 10 runs in one game in one series, but that's not going to be a common trend. In the playoffs, unfortunately, and I said this at the beginning of the season, the Yankees don't have great pitching. They have three decent starts at the top of the rotation. Severino's having a great year, though we got roughed up thanks to the Red Sox stealing signs at the Apple Watch. Um, Masahiro Tanaka has really redeemed himself from a miserable start the first couple months, and CeCe Sabathia proving that manorexia is not for everyone. But outside of that, they don't have – Sonny Gray is in there, but Sonny Gray is pitching the bad luck. They don't have a great rotation – their bullpen has been great for most of the season, but I believe they were overused in the first half. It's showing with Chapman. Batances is not a closer. You can't put him out there. I might just give the job to Robertson and then let Batances and Chapman battle it out in the seventh and eighth innings.
0: But it, that's, definitely, that's definitely a better idea than what they're doing now because Robertson was their closer for a short period of time. And he
1: was great. Very, he wasn't very, Mariano, but he was, he was just a step below
0: that. There's he, only one Mariano. Like, Come on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was just a step below that, and he's not really fallen off since he left New York um, to go to Detroit. But now that they have him back, fucking use him. The the Tigers sucked this year. He wasn't overloaded like Batans and Chapman have been. Put Robertson in the closer spot. Let Batansis and Chapman hold on to the game, the seventh and the eighth inning, and let's be done with it. But I I don't know if they're going to do that. Girardi seems to be convinced that Chapman may get his – stuff back together, so we'll see. But for now, it's a closer by committee, and unfortunately, last night was another indication that that's not going to happen. So, Evan. Yes. The Apple Watch. The yes, Apple Watch gate. You wanted to touch on the Apple Watch gate. So, oh my God. for anyone living under a rock, explain to them what happened, and then I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, because it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting so, thing okay. to talk about.
0: Apparently, uh, the Red Sox had a cameraman steal signs and then relay – the sign information to the dugout. Mm -hmm. And then it was relayed from the dugout to two players. I forgot who it was. Dustin Pedroia and somebody else who then relayed it to the batters.
1: Hmm.
0: Now there's two schools of thought on this. Okay. Stealing signs is a part of baseball. Mm -hmm. That's fine. You're going to try to steal signs playing in the schoolyard. You're trying to figure out what the hell's coming next. Right. But my feeling is that I don't want to sound like some 55 year old guy who you know, won't accept change, but I feel like once you start using cameras and technology to steal signs, it feels like cheating. Like if I go sit in the stands at, you know, another team's practice and they see I'm there and they just keep working on what they're working, that doesn't feel that bad. If I send my grandmother, well, it'd be weird because she's been dead for a few years, but if I send someone else's grandmother with a video camera to videotape it and then she gives it to me, that kind of feels like cheating. Yeah, so I feel like once once you're you're purposely being deceptive and using technology to cheat, then it's a problem.
1: Yeah, I agree, and it's it's the whole premise of Spygate basically. When the Patriots had to deal with that, where they were recording the Jets and other teams' practices so they could understand the formations and they knew what was coming. At Brady or what was coming at them on offense. It's, it's the same thing in baseball. Listen, it's one thing if you're on second base, you can see the catcher's signs are picking up on some stuff and you're, you know, you're flipping your shoulder to say, oh, a fastballs coming in or doing something else for a curveball, whatever. But it's quite another when they know exactly what's coming. The Blue Jays have been accused of this for years. They all of a sudden became one of the biggest home run hitting teams. And there's there speculation. There's a guy in the stands with binoculars who was literally relaying what was coming by getting the reflection of the glass and the binoculars down to the field so that the batters can see it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's a whole other level of cheating. That's unacceptable. And I hope that the Red Sox are punished in some way for doing it. Uh, listen, uh, it, it's the same thing in football. It's one thing if you're a linebacker and you're reading the offense and you're like, all right, I know it's coming. We've watched film on these guys. i played against these guys. I know that these guys' tendencies. I know the run's coming. Or I know uh, this guy's going to run a flag pattern. Whatever. That's one thing. But when you know exactly what's coming because someone's getting that up, then yeah, it, it's not good. So, yes, I'm so with
0: you. You should travel over there and spank them.
1: Hmm. ha All right, so last thing with the uh, NHL. So, it looks like the Rangers have hired former players Brian Leach and Brad Richards as advisors. So, Evan, what are your thoughts on that?
0: All right, so this was announced late yesterday, but it was really, really – I needed some time to kind of think about this. Brian Leach, everyone knows Brian Leach, the greatest American board defenseman of all time on the from the 94 Rangers team. Uh, Brad Richards also played on the Rangers. He went to the cup finals with them in 2014. These are two guys who are known as smart players who played a long time in the NHL. And I like these hires. They're suppo- they're going to help with prospect development and on ice development for the Rangers and their AHL affiliate, the Hartford Wolfpack. This, combining with you know hiring Chris Drury, for the GM, for the Hartford Wolfpack, I think that they're making some good moves. They're getting guys who are known to be students of the game, who have been leaders on teams. All these guys have been a captain of a team at some point. So I think this is a great pickup. These guys are – they're smart players. They know what they're looking at on the ice. They know what it takes to win. All these guys are winners. I know Chris Drury didn't win a cup. Did he win a cup? I don't know if he won a cup. I don't remember. But Um, he might – I forgot. I think he played in Colorado. I don't remember if he was on Oh,
1: yeah, he didn't win it with the Rangers.
0: No, nah. but Leach won with the Rangers. Richards won it with Tampa Bay. These are guys who were winners. So I like these hires. I'm not saying it's going to ma- automatically make, you know, every Rangers prospect into a Stanley Cup caliber player. But I think that it allows these guys to learn from guys who knows what it takes to go all the way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I – think I love when teams do this. When you bring back former players who are smart and they know what to look for in the eyes. And we've gotten really – Fond of and and I've been accused of this just as much as the next guy Moneyball of statistics. Moneyball. But um it's important to have players in player development who know the intricacies of the game. Every sport has its own intricacies, and it's important that you have people in positions to help develop players so that in certain situations, if they're making mistakes, they're not doing the right thing, if they're not in the right position, whatever. They have people there who can bring him along, can also report to the Rangers, God forbid they want to call someone up, oh, this guy's got great instincts, you have a need at left wing or center because so-and-so got hurt, here you go, this guy's ready.
0: Winning Winning doesn't come out of nowhere. you got to get winners in the organization in order to get those guys to where they need to go.
1: Exactly. And by having former winners uh, at the head of player development, I think that they're going to be much better off. I think this is a great move, and when John Tavares is there in a year, I I think that they'll be very happy.
0: John to the Rangers. I'm making t-shirts.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: sending one one to his house. If anyone (laughs) has his address, please send it to me.
1: Yeah. He's also going to send a bag of feces every day until he signs with the Rangers. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we're going to get into a couple of ads and then scumbag in sports, which is actually a New York homegrown guy. But before we get into that, First off, Weight Loss by Pete, my service. So if you're looking to lose weight and you're tired of yo-yoing, feel free to go to my website and download a free report on the homepage. That's weightlossbypete.com. It reviews the five strategies I personally use to lose 100 pounds and keep them off. All you got to do is click the download button, put in your email, you're done. Uh, Evan is on HubSport, right? HubSport, HubSports com
0: hub, hub pages just check keep keep your, eye on our, keep your eye on our facebook page that's where the links will be posted i will have a new article up tomorrow on a new york rangers season preview and the top five players who need to make the biggest jumps so that the rangers can be cup contenders this year
1: and then also i just started writing for 12 up.com actually for my first article the senior editor wants me to do an internship we'll see what that entails but uh, Sounds I like he wants you to
0: jerk him off, Peter.
1: Well, I really hope not. There was a female in his picture, so no. But, um, but yeah, the article was about David Wright. Obviously, we talked about this at nauseum. No, okay, enough. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about David Wright and whether or not he should retire. It's an interesting take because I don't fault the guy for trying, regardless of his rationale. Obviously, he stands to make about $50 million over the next three years. All he has to do is try to play and makes all the sense in the world. Granted, a lot of people are like, oh, don't get greedy. He's made $150 million already in his career. Who gives a shit? If you have well, $50 you million...
0: he only gets half of that because of taxes.
1: Okay. So he's made $75 million in his career. Still a ton of money. But if you got another fifty million, athletes have very small windows. I talk about that in there. We back it up with some stats. It's fun. Go to twelve up.com. Check it out. All right. Scumbag in sports is Carton from Boomerang Carton. All right, and why is that, Evan? He was arrested by the FBI this morning, but let's tell the listeners why. All right, so apparently Craig Carton is a big
0: fan of Bernie Madoff. Because Craig Carton was arrested in a concert ticket Ponzi scheme. Apparently, ticket Ponzi he scheme? He ripped off millions of dollars from investors by peddling bogus concert tickets in order to cover his own gambling debts.
1: What a scumbag. Jeez. He's not making enough doing that fucking show? That's well, like one of the he, premier sports talk shows in New York. He's a gambling addict. He probably is, first of all, a terrible
0: gambler. If Obviously. He, and with the amount of money he's making, he probably had to hide it from his wife so he couldn't take money. Out, oh, is he married? I don't even remember if he's married. Who gives a shit? This guy's a scumbag. He had to hide it from his family <laughs> in order so they wouldn't find out he's a gambling addict. He's a piece of shit. Apparently... Um, they ripped off oh, at least three point six million dollars from two investors, and Martin on his own, uh, ripped off two million dollars from those same two people. So about five point six million dollars from two people. And uh, you his, can
1: bet they're going to sue for a lot more than that.
0: Oh, definitely. And apparently, he claimed that he sometimes on his own and sometimes through his partner had access to million dollars, millions of dollars worth of concert tickets at face value. Uh, apparently,
1: this was a lie. He, <laughs> He did not the lie detector test determined that was a lie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In addition to his charges from the sec, he's also being charged with wire and securities fraud from a Manhattan federal court. So this guy is about to get bent over a barrel and I hope he bought plenty of lube because that's going to be the long cock of the law going right up his ass.
1: Yes, please don't drop the soap cart, please, please, please. Um, please. Uh, I, I have nothing else to say about that. That's just uh, I don't understand people. I mean, you know, first we're talking about woman beaters in Ezekiel Elliott, and now we're talking about a guy who's swindling people when I'm sure through his connections and the popularity of his show, he could have very well legitimately gotten these tickets and been able to actually do this business venture appropriately. But the fact that he conned people, and not just a little con where he could have paid them back merely like Look, I'm a gambling addict. I'm going to rehab. Here's your money. Bye-bye. Instead, bye bye. He's, he's not doing that. He had to get caught by the fucking FBI and arrested. So, obviously, not a good news. Didn't reach out for help. And that's what happens. That's all I have to say.
0: They should just replace him with both of us and make the show better.
1: It would be a lot better. Be a lot all right. So, guys. I petitioned to replace Craig Carton. Change.org, everyone. Change.org. All right. So find us on social media guys. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/bigapple sports podcast. Instagram our handle is also Big Apple sports podcast. Twitter's fucked up. NY Big Apple Sport. Despite the Nazi statement yesterday, they did not put us down. Thank God. I'm sure I mean if happen. you want us to get
0: banned, I can get us banned on Twitter. It's really- yeah, let's
1: not do that yet. <laughs> um, eventually. When we have hundreds of thousands if not millions of followers and people will be outraged about it. Then when they're building
0: statues to us in the street and yes. clothes like this
1: <laughs> yes with no underwear All right. yes of
0: course no underwear why would I be wearing underwear it's a ridiculous statement
1: <laughs> who wears underwear and also guys if you want us to include topics that we're not covering there's something going on in the world in New York sports that you want us to cover that we're not covering please feel free to email us at bigapplesportspodcast at gmail.com and we'll get that up for that I'm Pete Weintraub
0: I'm Ed Freeman
1: i we'll talk to you guys next time have a good one